Well, good morning, Embassy Church. Uh, happy Thanksgiving week. So if for any of you that don't know who I am, my name is David Maroos. I am a current student at the Moody Bible Institute up in Chicago. And if you're going to ask me, what are your plans after graduation in May? Please tell me, because I would love to know. I have no clue. But anyways, I've been praying that y'all have had a great week, praying that you've just been rejoicing in all that we have to be thankful for. All that we have, the abundance that God's gifted us with. I'm thankful for many things this season. One of which being you, Embassy Church, for being a family when mine is so far away in North Carolina. People that demonstrate God's love and kindness through in their very being. And lastly, I'm, I'm especially thankful for the elders at Embassy Church for giving and trusting me to come and preach God's word today. I should probably figure out which psalm I'm going to preach in, though. <laughs> I'm excited to preach Psalm 61. And this is an absolute privilege for me to be here today. As I begin this morning, would you all pray with me? Father in heaven, you are king. You will endure forever. God, I thank you for blessing us with the riches of your love through your son, Jesus. Thank you for the many promises you have given to us. Oh God, please speak through me this morning. Let your words be my words, be your words. Speak through your precious word by the power of your spirit. Thank you for the freedom to proclaim the excellencies of your gospel. Jesus, be magnified this morning, and would you receive all the glory? And Father, please comfort the faint of heart. May they find security in your precious presence this morning. Amen. Now, before getting into the text today, I wanted to read a children's story. I'm a children and family ministry major at Moody, so I felt like it was appropriate. This book I'm going to be reading today is called The Moon is Always Round. This book is from a perspective of a father and a son and the father reminding the son of a precious truth no matter what happens in life. So it starts, when I look up on a sunny day, the sky is blue and bright and jet planes paint the white skies, the skies with white lines. When I look up on a stormy day, the sky is gray and its clouds flash and boom with lightning and thunder. When I look up on a summer evening, the sky is red and orange and purpley pink and the sun looks like it's falling from the sky on fire. And when I look up on a clear night, the sky is dark and the stars twinkle and sparkle like diamonds. But the moon isn't always round. But Dad said, the moon is always round, even when you can't see all of it. When Dad told me I was getting a little sister, the moon looked like a banana. But Dad said, the moon is always round. When Mommy's tummy began to look like a watermelon, the moon looked like a shriveled orange. But Dad said, the moon is always round. Even when I was told 
that my little sister wasn't coming to live with us after all the waiting. Dad said, the moon is always round. When my parents left in the middle of the night for the hospital and the next morning I went off to preschool, I thought, will the moon be round tonight? Dad said, the moon is always round. When I waited in the hospital to meet my little sister, and we left without her, I asked, why, Daddy? And he replied, I don't know, but the moon is always round. And when we got home from the hospital, I looked for the moon before bed. It was a half moon, but Dad said, the moon is always round. And when it was still just the three of us, we went to church to say goodbye. My dad asked me, what shape is the moon? And I said, the moon is always round. And dad said, what does that mean? I said, God is always good. This story is an example of a real-life storm, one which some of you may have experienced yourself. And it would have been really easy for this father in this story to get angry and curse God, fall into a pit of self-pity, crying, why me? Yet he rested in secure, secure in who God is. God is always good, no matter the circumstance. But we will also see today that not only is God always good, but that he is the always present, enthroned king, where we will find security and comfort. Now I'm going to do something a little different today. So if it blesses you and you are able, would you please stand as I read the word of the Lord from Psalm 61. This Psalm 61 can be found on page 448 of your Black Pew Bibles. And if you're visiting with us today, would you please take this Bible home as a gift from Embassy Church to you? Today's sermon is titled, A Psalm About the Security for the King. As I read, note, the structure of this psalm is going to be constructed of three requests in verses 1 through 3, 4 through 5, and 6 through 8. Pay attention to David's longing for security and comfort. So Psalm 61, beginning in the little black letters before verse 1. To the choir master, with stringed instruments of David. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. So let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. Selah. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations may be enthroned forever before God, appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So will I ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. You may be seated. Today, 
we will see how David's three requests in Psalm 61 for his own security is the source for our security. My aim this morning is to prove that the answer of David's prayers for security is also the answer of our security. And this security is going to be found in Jesus Christ. David's three requests for his own security is the source of our security. Where do you find your security? Do you find it in the local government, the police, your house, your health? It's found in your bank account? Or the comfort of locking your car doors in the parking lot right now? Your doctor, your family? Now, none of these things are wrong, so don't hear me on why, or wrong. But maybe it'd be best, and maybe it'd be best for some of you to go to the doctors at least once a year and get a checkup. But is your ultimate source of security found in Christ the King? Is your security the same as David's? A good litmus test to see where you find your security is see how you react in the low moments of life. What do you do when all these things that you find security in are taken away from you? What about when God feels far and distant in the midst of your depression and anxiety? Do you remember that God is truly your source of security, your source of comfort? I want to prove to you that your security will ultimately be found in Jesus. So often when the weight of trials come, all we can do like David is cry out to God and plead for his mercy and his help. So let's look at how David's three requests for his own security is the source of our security. I'm going to do this today by breaking up the message into two parts. First, I will show and explain David's three requests he gives to God in Psalm 61. And then second, part two, after walking through these requests, I will explain how God answers David's prayers for security and how this answer becomes our answer for security. So number one, David's requests. These three petitions, David's three petitions for security are one, security of refuge, two, security of presence, and three, security of life. We'll note that this psalm is associated with a psalm of David and the superscription, the small little capital letters. So it's likely that David either wrote this psalm himself or that it was written for David. However the like, it was probably written by David. This psalm could have been written from any point in David's life. Some commentators think it was when David was fleeing his son Absalom or he was trying, when he was, his son was trying to take the throne. We know this psalm was written when David was king, when it was according to verses 6 and 7. But it would make sense in the placement of this psalm following verse 60 that it was likely that David was in a city far from Jerusalem on some military campaign. Whenever and wherever David was writing this psalm, we know he felt extremely distanced from God's presence. 
Therefore, he was crying out his three requests of God. First one was security of refuge. He's crying out. He's the song of lament from a low place where his heart is faint, overwhelmed. He cried to God to hear him from the end of the earth. He was obviously far from God. David's crying out for something sturdy and secure. A place where he could find refuge. So he calls out to God for this refuge, protection, comfort in his weary heart. In David's context, God's presence dwelled in the heart of Jerusalem in the tabernacle tent. Jewish people then and even now sought to be near to God's presence as they could. They either go get as near to the tabernacle tent or possibly go in within the courtyard of that tent to be as close to God's presence. And if you have the chance to ever visit Israel, there's remnants of the ancient first century Jewish temple where God's presence once dwelled. And you'll see hundreds of Jewish people praying at this wall because this is where God's presence dwelled. David was crying from the end of the earth from a place far from God's presence. David did not only feel this distance from God's presence, this distance from Jerusalem physically, but also spiritually, emotionally, mentally. He's overwhelmed, he's worried, he's depressed. He's crying out from a faint heart. Scared and anxious. But David knew his secure refuge was in God's presence. We see David calling out, God, lead me to the rock, in verse 2. He cries out to be the place where there is security and comfort. By the wording of verse 2, we see that David needs to be led to this rock. He cannot find it on his own. For Charles Spurgeon said it well, we as believers not only need a rock, we also need the Holy Spirit to lead us to him. Our rock is Christ, but none of us come to Christ by ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit to quicken our dead souls, awaken our spiritual needs, renew our wills, and bring us to the point of personal commitment. For God is David's refuge. God is David's rock. This brings to mind that David is seeking to run into a secure place, something that can give him protection against his enemy. So he calls God a strong tower. A strong tower in this time would have been the safest place for someone to dwell in the midst of a battle when their city was under attack. And David knew if God was this rock, he was also a strong tower. It's the one that would protect him from this enemy where David's, that's causing David's pain and distance from God. So David requested to dwell in a secure refuge, the rock, in the midst of fear, of depression, feeling far from God. He knew that ultimately his refuge was in God's presence, which is his second request. Request number two, 
he calls out to God for security of presence. Security in God's presence. This request aligns with the first, yet images an even closer proximity to God. We see this in verses 4 and 5. He's saying, God, let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. David now asks to not only be near the presence of God, but to dwell in his presence. He knows his God stronger than his enemy. He knows that within God's tent, there the Holy Spirit dwells. Within the holy of holies of the tabernacle, the main point of the tent, the Ark of the Covenant dwelled. And at this time, this is where God's presence was. The Holy Spirit himself was there. This moves us, this, this portion of the passage moves us from David being without, outside of the fortified city to being within it in the very heart of it. So David could be closer and closer to God. David wants to take refuge under the shelter of God's wings. He wants to be sheltered by God. He longs to move from the end of the earth to ultimate nearness to God. The shelter of God's wing can be like when we were children and we run to mom or dad's and we grab their leg because it's a secure place. We know there's comfort there. There's security. And we know there's going to be comfort. David knows this. And God's wings images a powerful and intimate idea that nearness to God provides the most comfort and security in life and in death. But David changes his tone in verse 5. He says, God, you have heard my vows, and you have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Here he's probably referring to past vows of grateful allegiance, which he continued to honor, even through the rough times. God heard these vows and responded to them, giving David rule over God's people. And David holds God to his promises. David's request is that he would be secure in God's presence forever. As David remembers, God's presence of heritage over God's people, promise of heritage over God's people, he recalls another promise God made to him. Promises related to him in his life as the king of Israel. This is number three, the security of life, verses six through eight. David asks God, prolong the life of the king. This is his own life. David's the king. His prayer is not selfish. Rather, it shows that David is remembering God's covenant he made to himself in 2 Samuel 7, 16, which states, Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time. Your throne will be secure forever. David knows the implications of this covenant, and it would not only give him security, but also the nation of Israel's security. A long life for the king meant good things for the people. If a king was dethroned, or even there was a transition of power, it would cause much turmoil and potentially chaos for Israel. Here's your homework assignment for this this afternoon. Read 
1 Kings and 2 Kings. And just go ahead and throw the whole Old Testament in there if you want. And look to see the chaos that transition of power of a king created. However, in this psalm, David asks for security of life on behalf of the nation. Hopefully, to make this a little easier to understand, imagine the U.S. government transitioning all of its power from the Senate and the House and giving it to one man and his family. Think about all the conflict that would arise if this person wasn't secure. They weren't safe. They didn't have somewhere, something protecting them. If this person was killed, there would be a great conflict. There would be upheaval within the country itself. David knew this. He knew God promised him security. He knew God promised him rule and reign. So in verse 7, we see David knew if he were enthroned before God, there would be steadfast love and faithfulness watching over him. That's God's presence. He knew God's presence would be watching over him. Steadfast love and faithfulness refers to Exodus 43, 6, when God describes himself saying, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. David requested a secure life before God forever. But David's dead. How did God answer this prayer? That doesn't make any sense. David asked that he would live forever. He would endure to all generations. That his throne would be before God forever. But we'll see that God did answer David's requests. He answered it through his, David's great, great grandson, Jesus Christ, the heir to the eternal throne. This leads us in to the second part of the sermon, God's answers. Now, if you remember from the beginning of the sermon, the answer to David's request for security is Jesus Christ. Very simple. Who, the source of our, who is the source of our security? That's Jesus, our one true king. To answer David's first request of security, of refuge, we find that God's answer number one is that his refuge is in the rock. Secure refuge, and our refuge, and our security is found in the rock, the cornerstone the one who was born of a virgin, doing what we could not, lived a perfect life, died a criminal's death, innocently, was buried in a tomb, raised three days later, and ascended to the right hand of the throne of God, declaring victory over sin and death forevermore. Our rocked, enthroned in heaven. Jesus is our rock, our cornerstone. As 1 Peter 2, 7 through 8 states it, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Jesus, the one in whom we are to build our house upon, the one who gives us a sure foundation, 
the rock who takes the ones he loves and gives them security in himself. As the song we just sang at the beginning of service says, Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, never forget that no matter the circumstance, your rock and your fortress is the Lord of all. Through the cancer, through the lost child, through financial instability, through the family conflict, through the addictions, the anxiety, every challenge in life, you have a secure place and refuge in Jesus if you belong with him. When you are weak, you are made strong in the Savior's love. So call out to Jesus when your heart is overwhelmed, when your heart is faint. He is your security. Number two, answer number two, security of presence is found in the spirit of the living God. God's answers to David's prayer of security of presence is ultimately found through Jesus Christ. Jesus the one who is always present, whose love will endure forever, the one who sent his Holy Spirit to comfort his children in times of distress and need, to live inside those who believe in him, the one who is always present. His comfort is not only found in God being the rock, but also the, the promise that Jesus is always present in our lives. For those who trust in him, God has promised eternal security, everlasting presence, and everlasting life. He promises never to leave us nor forsake us. So amid depression, and when life seems to be attacking you from all sides, and you feel alone and no one could ever, ever understand the trials you are going through, Oh, take comfort in the reality that the Holy Spirit has descended in the world, the Comforter, to dwell in all who believe and trust in him. Like David, when we are all alone and far off and faced with loneliness, do not forget. God is always present. He's promised the Spirit for all those who believe in him. If you believe that Jesus has died in your place for your sins and has given you an inheritance as his very own child, then he's gifted you with the gift of everlasting life. If you're here today and you don't know this precious gift, would you talk with a friend that brought you today? Would you take comfort in the Lord where your security can be found. Find refuge and security in the God who is always near, the God who is the everlasting God. Number three, and finally, security of a life is found in the true king. God answers David's request for security of life through the Jesus, the king 
who is enthroned forever before God. The king who eternally reigns on a throne of grace. The king who sympathizes with all our weakness, has endured all temptation, yet never sinned. This is God's answer to not only David's request for the long life of the king, but also the fulfillment of the covenant he made with David in 2 Samuel 7. That David's house and throne would be secure forever. David was just the foreshadowing of this king, Jesus. This confidence in the eternal throne becomes Christ's confidence. God answers David's cries for security through Jesus because Jesus is the promised king and reigning forever. No enemy can stand against us who belong to this kingdom. Just as David, we too are promised steadfast love and faithfulness. We're promised God's presence. This reign of the king promises true life and the kingdom that will never fall that will always be secure. It means that we can rest securely in the presence of the rock who is enthroned above all his enemies. This gives us hope for the life that we live is not eternal, but his throne is. He will forever reign. David's confidence and this confidence was always Jesus' confidence. Because our rock sits on the throne of power and governing and guiding all history according to his good and perfect plan, our prayers for his presence in our lives can be confident prayers because he is the rock that is higher than I and he is the king enthroned forever. So this psalm concludes in verse 8 saying, So will I ever sing praises in your name as I perform my vows day after day? David proclaims he will praise God all his days, fulfilling his covenant with God. Now, because God's given us an inheritance in Christ, we are also to praise God day by day for the security we can find in him. For those who have this inheritance. These prayers of David for security and the enemy's attacks become Christ's prayers for security. David's cry for an enduring kingdom become our Lord's cries. This psalm becomes Christ's psalm. And because Christ is the fulfillment of this psalm, we can always take security when we cry out to Jesus, when life overwhelms us. Because in our cries, at Jesus, we find security in the always present, eternally enthroned King. So when life overwhelms you, cry out to God. Give him your requests and your need. Trust in him. He wants to hear from you. Today, leave here resting securely in who God is. Remember that not only is the moon always round, but better yet, your security is always found in the rock that is higher than I, the king who is always near, 
always present, enthroned forever. Amen.